0: Hey there, welcome to Board Game Hot Takes, the podcast where we give our immediate reactions to the hottest board games just minutes after playing them. My name's Tim. This is Adam. And I'm Jen. And we're going to give our hot takes on a couple games that we just finished playing, The Quacks of Quedlinburg and Cubitos. Now we're going to do this a little bit different than normal. We're we're going to give descriptions of the game. We're going to talk about the game and then I'll move into the second one. But then we're going to do a little bit of a comparison, a little versus, if you will, at the end of this segment, because... Quacks at Quedlinburg and Cubitos have a lot of similar DNA. They feel very similar. So we want to kind of talk about them, what we like about each of them, what are different, and and which are our favorites uh, after playing both of them in one night. So Jen's going to join us for the first segment of Quacks, but she wasn't able to play Cubitos with us, so she may or may not sit around and chat with us, but she she won't uh, she won't have much input into actually playing that one. Alright, so let's get started. Let's talk about the Quacks at Quedlinburg, and I'll jump in with a description of the game. In The Quacks of Quedlinburg, you play as quack doctors trying to brew the best potion and sell it to unsuspecting buyers. But be careful, because if you throw the wrong ingredients together, it could explode on you. Each player's player board looks like a bubbling cauldron with a track that starts from the center of the cauldron and spirals out. You have a water droplet token that starts the game in the center space of the track. Players will simultaneously pull ingredient chips out of their bag and place them on the cauldron until they choose to stop. They will place the chip a number of spaces away from the water droplet or previous chip based on the number on the chip that they just placed. Each player starts with a bunch of white cherry bomb chips in their bag, and at any time if the player has placed white chips with a combined total value of 7, then their pot will explode. After all players have stopped drawing chips or their pots have exploded, then the players that got the furthest and didn't explode get to roll a bonus die and get a bonus. After that, players will get victory points and buying points as listed on the next visible space in their pot, as well as a ruby if shown. If the player busted, they can only take victory points or buying points, but not both. The players then use their buying points to buy new ingredient chips to add to their bag. There are always seven different color chips available and they cost differently based on the number on the chips. Each of the ingredients have different abilities and these will change game to game depending on the ingredient books that are selected at the start of the game. At the end of the round, players can choose to spend two rubies to move their water droplet forward one space so that they're starting further into their pot. At the beginning of the next round, players that are further back on the victory point tracker will get a temporary boost in their starting position for that round based on the number of rat tails shown on the score tracker between them and the leader. The player with the most points at the end of the ninth round is the winner. The Quacks of Quedlinburg was designed by Wolfgang Warsh and is published in the U.S. by CMYK. Let's talk about the gameplay and mechanisms of The Quacks of Quedlinburg. This is a game that I um, have been playing a lot of the last few weeks. My family's been enjoying it, so I probably got about 15 games of this in. Jen's played a few. Adam, you got to play tonight for the first time, so you got your first two games of The Quacks of Quedlinburg in. So why don't we start with you? Any... Any
1: gameplay or mechanisms that stood out to you here? First of all, it seems like I'm always the guy that's like playing the game for the first time, so I don't know what that says about me. I just don't play that many games, I guess. I don't know. Pick up your game, man. Pick up my uh, my gameplay I think
2: it's Tim's evil plan to be the expert. (laughs) So if Tim wants to be the expert, you have to be the newbie.
1: Right? Run all the experiments on me. Anyway, so what did I think of the mechanisms of Quacks of Quedlinburg? This game was fun. It's just a lot of fun, push your luck. That's kind of the heart. The thing that stands out is the push your luck element to this game. You're building your bag with these different little elements of witch's potion. And then as you're pulling them out, you're trying not to to bust or overdo it with these, they call them cherry bombs. But once you pull out a certain number of these cherry bombs, your your potion explodes, it becomes too unstable. That's, you know, that's kind of a fun gambling push your luck mechanism. It does it in a, in a pretty fun way. So that's the thing that stands out to me most. Jen, what do you have to say about the push your luck or other elements of quacks?
2: I really enjoy this game. I, you know, the push your luck is fun. Um, Is it a deck building game? Is it a bag building game? Is it a chip building game? We're certainly building something there.
0: (laughs) I think we can eliminate deck building since there's no deck in it.
2: What I really liked about this game is that it's fun. I like that it's easy. And I like that there's virtually no waiting. And so that's what I think is neat about it. And I also think that the table talk is hot. Like, you know, you, you're you talking... Well, we're all talking to ourselves as we're pulling our chips out of our bags, right? We're talking to each other as we're pulling our chips out of our bags and just, just kind of, you know complaining or in that fun little way that you you complain about when stuff happens that's bad. There's a little bit of swearing going on, but again, it's all in such good fun. So that's what really sticks out about the game is just the funny, easy nature of it and how easy it just kind of like rolls along.
0: Yeah, and you, you mentioned that there's not much, like there's no waiting, right? There's no downtime. And that's because basically what you're doing is all at the same time for the most part. And then you know once everybody finishes what they're doing, everyone stops pulling stuff out of their bag then you move into the end round stuff and and you kind of you're comparing like here's what here's what everybody gets here here's what everybody gets here and then you move to the next round Uh, so it's very much like all happening at the same time we talked about this actually going way back to dinosaur world you remember that where we're like man it's kind of boring because everyone's kind of doing their own thing on their board and nobody else is involved in it but there it just felt like i don't have anything any involvement in this game but it feels different here it feels to me like it's still exciting, you know, my pulling stuff out of my bag, you know, I get through that, but then I'm waiting and, you know, the little bit of time I'm waiting, I get to see what other people are doing. Are they still pushing their luck? Can I goad them into to be like, just pull one more chip, Adam, you don't want to stop there. Um, so it still seems fun to me.
2: I'm actually shocked that you even say Dinosaur World with the three of us all on the same podcast right now, because some of us might still have like sweaty nightmares from that gameplay experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was really fun. but. Um... I agree. I think there was just such a difference. Like all the things that we said when we talked about Dinosaur World, it was the exact opposite concept in this one, even <laughs> though we were kind of like solo playing at times.
1: There is a nice white Jeep Wrangler in this one too. So that's one similarity between Quacks of and Jurassic Dinosaur World. I mean, Did
2: you pull that one out of your bag? <laughs> I, I didn't see it. It never came out of my bag, not even once.
1: Yeah, I pulled it out. That's why I kept busting. I kept pulling out a big old Jeep Wrangler to try to fit it pot.
2: It was a... Jeep Wrangler with the uh, license plate that read <laughs> Cherry Bomb <laughs> on the
1: back. Tim, were you going to say
0: something serious? Go ahead. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, no, I was just going to talk about a game player mechanism, which is kind of the point of this segment. Um, no, I just wanted to mention the, the thing that I actually really like the most about this game, it's a fairly light game. It, it runs pretty slick. You know, you got a little bit of like getting to make choices in between rounds about what you're adding to your, your bag. That's fun. The best part about it, though, is that each of the chips that you buy have a different effect on them. And so there's seven fun choices to make every round, but it even gets better because the next time you play, you swap out those recipe books and all those chips do something different the next round. So I just like every game getting to reevaluate what's important. What's the most valuable chip for me right now? What do I want to add to my bag right now? It's fun choices. Are they important choices? Probably not that important. You know, mostly you buy what's the most value, what's the most expensive chip that you can afford. And that or, you know, two chips that kind of fit into that price range or whatever. And who knows if you're ever going to see it. So does it actually matter that much? Probably not, but it's still a fun, it's a fun decision point. I, and I like it. I like the, the variety that comes up with it.
2: I think that I feel a little differently about it. When we first started talking about this game, you we are like, you leaned really in our conversations on the fact that it was it was really luck-based. You know, push your luck might be in the in the theme or the the type of game it is, but I look at it as there's so much variety, there's so much replayability. With that much variety and that much replayability, I just think that there is strategy going in there. Cause I have never, I think one time during the game tonight did I look and see I'm just gonna buy the most expensive one. And it was, I don't even think it was a buy. I think it was like I got a bonus token and I was like, okay, based on the bonus, I'm going to take the highest cost two point token. With the other ones, I, you know, I kind of went with strategies. Like in the first game, my strategy was blue skull people, whatever they're called, all day long. And that really did pay off in the end because I ended up in second place on that game. And so blue skull people for me in that game I ended up in second place. Nobody but Steve was going to win that first game, so I call that second place a hard victory. <laughs> and then the second time, my strategy was oopsie, I didn't get one early enough, and then I then I then it was going to go nowhere. So, but yeah, so you, I think that strategy is big in it.
1: First, Jen, you have a strange definition of hard victory. <laughs> I do agree. I think there is. I think there is an element of skill here at least there's a big element of lack of skill because I think I was I was very dead last in the first game and I was heading towards dead last in the second game and I had the least experience with this game I could tell you guys you know every other player that was out there was either trying harder or just knew more about what they were doing you know what that happens in so many games that I play it's so weird <laughs> I think there is a, you know at least a tiny bit of a skill ceiling in this game Tim you have thoughts I'm not saying it's completely pure luck I will say that I
0: think, in some of my early plays of this, I started. I was feeling like even though I was enjoying the play experience, that it really came down to the luck of the last round. Um, you know, where you know you could be four, six, eight points ahead of somebody else, and if they just you know you busted or they managed to keep pulling because they had some early low white draws, like low cherry bomb draws. Then they're gonna you know win, and it just comes down to the last round. But the reality is, you're kind of setting yourself up for the last round, the whole game. Whether it's getting a little bit of extra points throughout, or getting uh, you know making sure your flask is set up for some extra victory, or saving up some some rubies. So, I, you know, there's a lot of luck here, and you kind of have to go into it knowing that you could just lose this game based on a terrible draw. I played with jen and danielle a couple nights ago and what happened in the very last round we were pretty close in points and i'm not saying that i you know would have done much better but i literally just drew out all cherry bombs i flipped over my flask when my you know three-point cherry bomb came up and i shuffled my bag and i drew my three-point cherry bomb again and i literally just drew cherry bombs in the last round of the game when i had like 23 chips in my bag That clearly was just luck, and but that's okay. I didn't even care. You know, it was it was hilarious that it happened to me. And the game is short enough; it's like a forty-five minute game with three or four people. That it's just not that big of a deal. But it's going to happen sometimes. On the other hand, you are setting yourself up. You've got some choices to make, and it's fun. They're fun choices. So, and I'm good with it. I like the. I like just the constant dopamine hits that you're getting every time you're pulling a chip out. Oh, it wasn't a cherry bomb. Yeah, it was that four blue, and now I get to look at something else. You know, there's just like a lot of exciting moments in the game. There's frustrating moments, but it's just it's a it's just a fun um, a fun experience.
1: This does have that fun like lottery or bingo kind of feel to it, where you're yeah you're going in this huge you know bucket of ping pong balls or bucket of chips and pulling out something and oh, look, I got this. Now I get to put this on my board. So that's kind of a neat little mechanism. And then the other thing I was going to talk about was kind of seeing how far everybody fills up their pot. And you're like, oh, gin's at 14, 15. Now, shoot, I better just try to draw one more so I can roll that stupid little dice that doesn't really matter. But just that little bonus for getting the furthest along with your ingredients and being able to roll that dice if you have the most, I don't know, pot points, is just enough to like make you want to push your luck probably more than you should sometimes. So I think that's pretty neat. What do you think about that
0: last round where at the end of the last round you're supposed to all draw your chips out at the same time so that you don't you can't watch what other people are doing and you're kind of forced to guess whether you should push or bust. You've only gotten to play a couple times Adam, but do you feel like that last round is worth the the you know the extra time it takes? for the payoff.
1: I thought it was so cheesy and so fun and climactic. I freaking loved it. I thought <laughs> how were you like counting to, you were counting to three every time okay nobody move, nobody move. okay one two three pull and we were all like looking at our dumb and, and you could hear everybody's reaction oh or yes yes. So I thought that was just that was pretty fun. That was really fun. Yeah, I think they actually say
0: in the rule book you can use a variant where you do that every round, but obviously it would slow the game down quite a bit. But I like that it's in the last round cuz it's so important and that's the round where you know if you're behind in points, you just got to push your luck. You just got to get to a certain point. You can't wait to see if somebody else stopped at 14 and I need to get to 21 to win. You kind of have to just keep going until you feel like, "Oh, you know, maybe I have a chance at this point." So it kind of makes the The whole end still feel tense.
2: I'd be curious to see if there is people that do adopt that rule because from the very beginning that's the one piece that didn't connect completely for me I thought that yeah I can look over at his board I can look over at her board especially when we're playing in person and so I can decide if I'm going to push my luck or not and yeah that's an extra aspect of gameplay so you can look at it that way but it did feel a teeny little bit like cheating and I I don't like that feeling I mean (laughs) that. So, that's why I love playing with Danielle and Tim so much and any everybody on this podcast too, but it's just my in people, in-person people is cuz like we will literally go back 3 steps on our own and be like, "Oh my gosh, you guys, I totally screwed something up back then," right? And we will like all of us are self-correctors in that way. So like, we're the most moral and ethical game players you've ever met in your entire life. Um so yeah, I don't know. I I again, I'd really like to talk with someone who maybe had played that way gets a kick out of playing that way because it felt like the natural tendency for me that we should do that one, two, three on every single round. But I do see that it would slow it down and I do also appreciate the swiftness of the game. Yeah.
0: What do you guys think about the rat tails mechanism? The the concept that if somebody is further ahead then you get a few extra bumps in your potion pot every time. Um, and I, I have a reason to ask about that. But Adam, this was your first game. You know, What did you think of that mechanism?
1: I think it was good. It's a nice catch up mechanism if you know steve had pretty much a runaway lead starting out from i don't know round two or three he was way up there so it helped it kept me who was in dead last like in the game and involved and i was like oh cool i get this little bump up and then there was of course that magic card at the end that said i got bonus points for all the rat tails um that i was using in this round so it's a nice way to keep you know a nice courtesy prize honorable mention for the for the guy that's struggling along in last place there i I thought it was nice. To see. I'll take the pity points anytime, sure.
2: Oh, uh, pity points for the king of rat tails. He gave himself a title, which I thought made it really fun. So again, <laughs> the theme really coming through and, you know, finding a new way to laugh or enjoy in the moment. I like the rat tails because, like you said, it does it does keep it closer. Um, it does feel a little funny when all of a sudden you're right behind someone who's been killing it the entire game. But... I don't know. With a, such a just a light and fluffy fun game, I I can't imagine it might be a little bit hard to stay engaged if you figured out you were twenty points behind because you busted a couple times. Like, where's the value? Where's the um, incentive to actually push your luck at that point in time? I think it would be a lot less of a risky game if if the rat tails didn't exist.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think the rat tails are really important. The reason I asked what you guys thought of it was that like you saw Steve tonight. This was his second play ever. Um, he only played one of the two games with us tonight of Quacks. And in his second play, he had quite a good lead. Like, he, he scored better than anyone I've ever seen playing just the base game. I'm not sure. He, I probably taught something wrong. He probably cheated or something. I don't know how he got so far ahead. But, you know, he was frustrated like the last few rounds where, you know, he had a nice lead. He'd worked his way up. And then we'd do rat tails and we all get like a five, you know, a five space start to catch up to him. And he's like, oh, these rat tails are so stupid. Um, And the same thing happened with my wife. I think the second time we played, she had a pretty good lead most of the game and I kept getting rat tails and catching up to her. Just like, oh, this game is, why, like, what's the point of me doing anything? I got these rat tails. And we played with another friend who had a nice lead. And then in the last round, everybody got a bunch of rat tails and ended up losing by one point or by the tiebreaker or something. And so when people are in the lead, the rat tails feel cheap. But I can tell you that every time somebody's then played again, and then got the benefit of the rat tails. They're like, okay, now it makes sense, because it is pretty heavy luck, and you can just get a bad couple of draws. It's the only way to make, like you said, Adam. The only way to make you feel like you're still a part of the game, or I think Jen said that. So I think it's really important. I think uh, if they didn't have that mechanism, it could be just a really, you know, frustrating and like not fun game for people mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So it's, it's a cool, it's a cool, it's a good thing that they added it. Wolfgang worse I think, did some pretty. Some pretty fascinating things on the design here uh, that feel like unique and ahead of their time all right so let's jump into the production of the the quacks of Quedlinburg. jen you played this in person adam you've only played it on um online tonight we played it on tabletop simulator uh, but jen any anything on the production that stands out to you
2: well playing it online i would say that the cool thing was the pot was actually bubbling that was like the first thing that came out of my mouth i was so excited <laughs> to see it actually physically moving so That added just like a fun piece to it.
0: This was just really quick. So this was on Tabletop Simulator. I don't even know if this is an, it's probably not an official mod or anything like that. So don't count on getting that with whatever online experience you get here. Yeah, that doesn't exist in the normal production.
2: Well, it bubbled for us tonight and it totally made it fun. So yay for whatever we did and however it happened. And also it goes poof and it explodes. So you could like press a button and And so my thought based on that, as I was sitting there watching Adam, it happened to Adam, and then it did end up happening to me as well. I think they should sell like a little smoke machine with the actual physical one. So when your pot explodes, you have to press the button and then like poof, smoke comes out of glitter or something terrible it's tim's house that i normally play at so totally i think that we should make it a glitter machine right i
0: need to i need to invest in some dry ice for, uh, <laughs> yes. for game night now
2: yes that sounds awesome i think that the big disappointment was that there was just you know where were the ge or the ducks right like where was the quacking that was involved i i i think that you know when you first sold it to me i definitely thought there was gonna be ducks um but now that I understand the backstory, I appreciate it a little
1: more. <laughs> Adam, what do you think about the production of Cracks of Quedlinburg? Yeah, I can't comment too much on the physical production, so I'll leave that to you, Tim. But the TTS mod was it was a nice one. The gin set it all. Bubbly pots were cute. The little explosion things were cool. So that's that's all I have to say. So for the um the
0: physical production, I mean just you know, this is not a very pretty game. The artwork is not great for me, you know, like it's just kind of comical, like pretty cute art, but uh, it's not something that would have drawn me to it the production it's all just thin cardboard um, player boards and shits and everything i did buy the um, board game geek geek up bits for this which are awesome so you know they're expensive you know I, it's a it's definitely a luxury it costs more than the price of the game to buy these little plastic or resin bits to go in there but man that makes it so much better but it's fine the the bags you draw out of i guess they' they hold up they haven't fallen apart yet so there's it's got that going for it
2: I like the upgraded components you have. They feel awesome in my fingers. We all make a lot of noise at the table and we all insist on really shuffling that bag before we pull them out. And so (laughs) the noise is fulfilling. Like tonight, that was one of the things. I guess I didn't have my my volume up loud enough. And Steve's like, oh yeah, when you press shuffle, you can hear it. I was like, I can't hear anything. And it is completely not satisfying. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, the physical component, again, the uh, the upgraded one that you have is really enjoyable. Just take one home and hold it. It's kind of like those little rocks. The river pebbles, uh, yeah. Everdell. That's how satisfying those little chips are. (laughs) So going back to that, we can go ahead and send some of those to Adam in the mail, right? Maybe we don't have to to disinfect them or bleach wipe them because we're a little bit further along at this point in time, but we'll send them to them in the mail so they can figure out what they
1: feel like.
0: That's a, that's a deep cut, Shannon, <laughs> and nobody that nobody's going to know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> we know. Nobody else has listened to us long enough to have gotten those. Uh, I know great, <laughs> Tim, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about moments in the gameplay tonight. Were there any moments that stood out to you guys, good or bad? Um, well, I'll start with this one. Um, yeah, this, this game is always full of fun moments. It's either that like, Okay, here's a moment that stood out to me. And Adam is sitting there. He's got 11 chips left in his bag. The three is in there, though. And he's like, "Uh, you know what? I can pull again because there's no way I'm going to pull that three cherry bomb out of my bag. And then he pulled the three cherry bomb out of his bag and it exploded on him. And that stuff happens all the time. That's where the push your luck fun is in here. And it feels all the time like there's no way that I could bust right here. It's easy. It's very safe for me to push my luck. And then you pull that one white chip that you don't want to out of there. So to me, it's it's just full of fun moments like that all the time, either the the shocks of like, oh, that never should have happened. Or yes, I just got that four chip of something that just doubled and now I've got like, like we were playing the expansion, not from tonight, but Jen and I were playing the expansion a couple weeks ago. And there was one that let you um, play a, the Mandrake and then you can essentially uh, double the, the chip that comes after it. Maybe Danielle was playing with me. Anyway, and then we drew the six pumpkin out. So basically you played this one four chip, then you drew the right chip out and it's 12 more movement forward after that. Sometimes they're just those amazing fun moments where things just come together and it's just fun. It's just got, it's got so many of those little moments. So anyway, Adam, what about you? First place tonight, uh, any moments that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, Tim, like you're saying, just, I think I had another draw aside from the getting my three cherry bomb when I had 11 tokens in there. I had another draw that was just all cherry bombs in a row and I went straight to like bust. So that was just another like, oh my, I can't believe this is happening. Like ultimate frustration and like pity party for myself. Yeah, this game has the high highs and the low lows. All right, John, what about you? Any moments that stood out?
2: It was just kind of a fun overall. I will say that tonight, one of the books that I really enjoy is, so it's the Blue Skeleton Faces. If you pull out a one, a two, or a four, you immediately get to pull one, two, or four chips out of your bag, look at them, evaluate them, and decide which one you want to play next for free and or just put them all back in your bag. And I adore that one, especially in the 4.1. And then it was either during the second to last round, it might've been in the actual last round when we were counting to three, which is why we all kind of had to stop moving so much. Because then, I mean, I was bonusing upon bonusing upon bonusing. um, And that was just really exciting because I moved then significantly up the track, as well as just getting the opportunity to pull stuff, quote unquote, for free, where everyone else was waiting for the infamous Three count in order to put their next chip out. So that felt in my yeah, that in my body probably felt like the best the best part of it. Those blue yeah. chips, that one book, it's just great.
0: Yeah, man, you killed it. You went, you had so many blue chips in there. You you were going nuts on that one that time. And at the same time, while you are doing that, Steve was pulling all like four yellow chips. Somehow he had like 15 four four point yellow chips in his bag. So he still ended up like getting to the end of his pot. It's we, I think
2: we all feel the same way about
0: gameplay. <laughs> something that something time. wasn't kosher about that play. I wasn't watching it close enough. Yeah.
2: It. I don't think it, it. Definitely, it definitely wasn't intentional. But it was like, woo, buddy! That is just some awesome stuff that none of us <laughs> saw coming."
0: All right. Well, let's uh, jump in the last question, and that is: Would you request to play this game again? So, Jen, why don't you start?
2: Yes, and I've been asking to play it a lot lately because it's nice and light and fluffy, and that's it's been busy at work and stuff like that. And so I've just really appreciated the fact that we could sit down, play a 40 minute game or maybe play two quick games um, and just laugh and connect and be able to talk even though it's nonstop movement in that sense. And so for me, it's just checking all the boxes of exactly what right now in my life I need a gameplay experience to be. So yay for quack ducks or no, yay for quacks.
0: Right on, I'll jump in next. Uh, This is a surprisingly, like perfect fit for me i normally don't like games of this weight and i looked at my entire collection of games that play within 45 minutes that have a rule set that are about this weight i i always like playing it i'm always looking forward to it i ask my family if they want to play it i ask jen i'm introducing it to new friends this is a game that i absolutely love and it just doesn't seem like it would be a great fit for me so for me a game of this weight a game of the the complexity it's got which is fairly light fairly easy to teach very heavy luck based i love it that some i think it's just the engine building and the little dopamine of the pulling stuff out of the bag and getting exciting hits it just it just feels like a fun time every every single time i play it so i will definitely be requesting to play this one a whole lot more i'm super glad that i discovered it you know fairly recently but can't wait to play more
1: what about you adam what do you think of quacks on your first night playing i'm not going to mix any opinions together i'm just going to stick with the opinions that you guys have brought already and say this game is fantastic it's uh it fits that right in between that 45 minute and an hour play length it's fun it's so fun you're just drawing stuff and pushing your luck and it fits the bill and you don't have to like think too hard you're not going to be brain burning and trying to like out strategize and stab people in the back or do this or that it's just a fun game a fun 45 minutes to hang out have a good time so absolutely i would totally request to play this game again
0: yeah nice i'm glad you liked it i I wasn't sure if you would Uh, you know it's again it's one of those ones where i wasn't sure if it was a good fit for you either the right the kind of the weight that you would want to play but uh, glad you had a good time with it i think that'll wrap up our thoughts on the quacks of quedlinburg so we're gonna jump in and talk about another game cubitos right after this In Cubitos, you are one of four animals trying to win a race through a quirky world where everything is cube shaped. Each player starts with nine starter dice that either display one coin, one foot, or blank sides. In a round, you'll move nine dice to the roll section of your player board and roll them, and if a non-blank face is showing, you move that to the active section on your player board. You can keep re-rolling any of the dice that showed blank faces, but once you have 3 active dice, if all of the remaining dice that you roll are blank, you'll bust and won't get any of the benefits on the dice, but will move up a fan track that may give you some credits to spend, or increase the number of dice you can roll in a turn. If you stop rolling before you bust, then you activate all of the active dice, which will either move you around the racetrack or give you coins or credits that you can spend to add more dice to the discard section of your player mat. Any active dice that you had will then be moved to your discard. Everyone then starts the next round, but if they don't have a nice enough dice in the draw section of their player mat, they'll move all of their discard dice over to draw and fill in the remaining roll dice. The dice that can be purchased each have different faces and abilities, and the abilities will change every game depending on which set of dice ability cards that are chosen for that game. As players are moving around the board, there are some bonuses that can be picked up if a player ends their turn on a bonus space. These may include additional credits, the ability to add dice, or the ability to remove dice from their pool. The game ends in the round that a player crosses the finish line. If multiple players cross the finish line, the player that was able to move the furthest past the finish line is the winner. Cubitos was designed by John D. Clair and is published by AEG. Alright, so let's talk about Cubitos, let's jump in with the gameplay and mechanisms. Adam, this was your first play again tonight on uh, Cubitos, so what did you think of this uh, little Quacks of clone?
1: Oh man, this game was great. You you got handfuls of dice and you're just chucking dice around. Again, it's a, another kind of press your luck race car game, or not a race car game, it's just racing your little dude around this little field. in. I don't know, is it like somewhere in Switzerland or something? Uh, the, the box cover would suggest there's a bunch of Matterhorns around do <laughs> no, the race. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's set
0: in Switzerland. I just think one of the dice is a cheese with later hose and so for some There you go, thing. or else what well, could it be then? It, it has to be in Switzerland. But all the other dice are from a couple of different other
1: places. Anyway, I thought it was quirky and fun and just uh, a great little game. Well, I don't know, What did you think about it? I'll talk about the mechanisms a little bit. This does feel so much like Cracks of Quedlinburg, which is why we wanted
0: to talk about both of them tonight. They're both push your luck. They're both, you know, variable choices when you're buying from the market. There's a lot of things that feel very similar about it, but but it does feel a little different. From a mechanism perspective, I think it's interesting that it's a race game. It's interesting that the way the game ends is just by getting around the track. And there's a lot of different paths to take. I've only played so far. We played tonight and I've played one other time. Both times I played with the one starter map and there's four maps that come in the box and that map is pretty interesting because like there are bonus spaces all around the edges but if you want to go quicker you can stick to the middle and not get the bonuses for it so it's fun that there's pretty good choices just in the racing part on that alone so uh yeah that's that's my first thing on mechanisms just the the race itself is is kind of a fun uh experience
1: agreed yeah there's all the bonus points I like think you said already right, the bonus stuff around the outer parts of the tracks You can go the the quote-unquote slow way and maybe build your dice pool to get more little footprints on the way you move in this game. So yeah, I thought the maps are cool and I do like that it's a race game and you have to pay attention to what the other people are doing and it's not just six rounds and the game's over. So I like that little racing mechanism for sure.
0: Yeah, one of the bonus points that's on the maps, at least again, the first map we played with, I assume it's on other ones as well, is a way to get rid of a dice out of your dice pool, which, you know, is very reminiscent of like the culling mechanism of deck building type of games as you're building up dice in your in your pool you can really hone it in you can make it stronger by adding those better dice and getting rid of the cheap ones so yeah very much like a culling mechanism like out of deck building but i think it works well that you kind of have to focus on that on the map you have to look for those spaces and try to hit them otherwise you can end up with just a bunch
1: of crappy dice by the end of the game this game and quacks both feel like they kind of have that deck builder kind of feel where you have to consider probability and you're building up your pool pulling your dice pool and okay so i rolled 12 dice and these three were hits so i'm gonna those go over to the ones i'm going to use i have nine dice left do i want to re-roll those and hope that i get some hits on those and how many of those dice faces have successful hits so it's a different little mathematical model than like a than like a deck builder it's kind of it's it's cool it's just a different way of looking at chance in a game which I enjoy the way they do it here
0: now what did you think about the actual dice um kind of the movement of the dice around the different segments you know basically uh everybody starts with nine dice in their draw spot and then you move the nine dice because you can start by rolling nine dice you move it to the roll area and then when you roll if it's got a, a dice face on it, then you move it to the active area, and then we're done using it. You move it to the discard area, and then once you can't draw enough out of the the draw space, then you got to move them back over from the from the discard area back to the roll. So there's a little bit of um, you know fiddliness with going through that whole process. How did that feel to you on your first play?
1: You know, it's a little bit, it's a little tricky for the first two rounds or something, but then it makes sense because there are some some of the dice powers kind of play with that whole mechanism too they say okay if you roll these uh you know if you say you have 10 dice in your hand you roll them all you can get a dice that says oh if you have three more dice still left in your draw pool you can roll those right away so it's like you got your hand limit is up to 13 in a way you know we so say you got three extra dice to roll and no risk and then those extra three dice enter your pool so i really like how some of the dice themselves play with that whole mechanism of your your kind of dice management your dice pool management that was just interesting as a new puzzle for my brain to think about what do you you think it's a little fiddly or what do you think about it that's the main reason
0: i asked about it is so i taught this game to my wife and daughter they both found that whole that like keeping track of where my dice are supposed to go now when do i put them back over from the discard pile over to the active area. I felt like I was having to run all three of us doing that because they just it, they weren't able to wrap their brains around. I was on one play um, but it was enough from that fiddliness and that kind of just like effort of trying to keep track of where everything goes that my wife's not really interested in playing again, which I, you know, I think I'll convince her. And I think she'll probably once she kind of gets the hang of it, she'll probably be fine with it. But on the first play, it was very like it felt really strange to her. And even to me on my first play, I felt like a lot of the time I was like, wait a second, these guys go here. The other thing that happened in person, which we didn't happen, you know, we played on Tabletop Simulator tonight, but in person, you know you've got all these dice in these different sections of your board and you're going to pick up 11 dice and roll them on the table where do you think they go half of them end up bouncing back and rolling into the sections you know where you've got them out on the on the board
1: yeah uh, so it's a bit you know it's a they probably shoot everywhere you almost need like little dice trace. little dice holders or like roller cups yeah. yeah cups to roll them out and just turn them over or something like they probably could get some fancy dice rolling upgrades for your uh for your collection there.
0: I will say it would be almost necessary. I mean, not necessary, but it would definitely, you know, keep things easier. Cause it it happened several times in the, you know, when we played in person where somebody rolled dice and like, wait a second, was that dice one of my active dice or was it, you know? Uh So there's just a lot to kind of track there with, with where the dice go and and how they get rolled and everything. Mm -hmm. That was my personal biggest complaint about it. And just the experience it created for the other new players that I taught it to that time. I don't think that's something that's going to be a problem after repeated plays. But yeah, that that was that was one thing I was curious about for you.
1: Yeah, I can I totally see that. So here tonight we're on TTS, so you just highlight the dice you want to roll and hit R a couple times. They fly up in the air and they basically land in a little small section right on the spot where you initially rolled them. So there wasn't dice shooting all over the place. So then maybe that's like a, a little bit of an advantage of TTS over a real person playing of cube But I think it's definitely, if you're going to have this much dice in a game, it's definitely worth having some landing pads for the dice or some cups to roll and kind of manage where they're going to be going all game. Yeah, cool. So there was another uh, mechanism that's kind of
0: interesting here. It's called the fan track. Um, The idea in this game, uh, which is a little different than quacks, you know, in quacks, if you bust, then you just give up one of the two benefits. Either you don't get scoring or you you don't get to buy that round. In this game, you don't get the benefit of any of your dice if you bust, but you move up this fan track and the fan track has kind of escalating benefits over the course of the game, which is pretty interesting because some of the benefits just give you some of those credits, which allow you to buy stuff, you know, in any future turn. But then some of them also give you extra dice to roll over the course of the game. And that was pretty interesting. Like this game mm-hmm. that we played tonight, I never got up the fan track. I think I, I busted once, So I moved one space on the fan track. And so I never got to increase my hand size, but I think you had like, 11 dice you were rolling by default and then sometimes you'd be behind us those red ropes kind of like the kind of like the rat tails and quacks but if you're behind the red ropes then you get to roll extra so you were rolling like 14 dice to my nine dice Mm -hmm. by the end of the game um so you know kind of fun you know just just another addition to the catch-up mechanism that that quacks has with the rat tails
1: right it's supposed to be a another catch-up mechanism but um i think i caught up a little but again finished well in last place on this one too um, but I like that. I like that little fan track. It doesn't make you feel too horrible if you bust, because you get to move up that fan track. And of course, there's other spots on the board, on the racetrack board, that let you move up that fan track too. So I was able to pick up two little hands, little purple hands that let you increase your dice pool size. Uh, so that was nice. And I was getting a little catch-up mechanism, so a couple extra dice, up to a couple extra dice every roll too, which was nice. And I want to go back, Tim, to something you were saying about the, the potential fiddliness. So tonight... We did Cubitos first, and I feel like the rules clicked pretty quickly. And then we went over to Quacks, and I was like, man, these rules are way crazier than Cubitos. For me, the Quacks almost felt a little bit fiddlier, and I was like, what? I have to do a potion, then I have to go to this marketplace, and then I can I can fill up my pot, and then it has to, like, spiral this way, and then uh, there was all these, like, crazy rules, whereas Cubitos, I felt like, just made a lot more sense to me, and I wonder if that's just a function of learning one before the other one like maybe i would have you know felt the other way had i learned quacks first overall like looking back at it with five minutes of reflection after playing both these games i think they're both you know relatively very light rules and after one or two plays there's not going to be any issues remembering how they work the rules are just simple and they get out of the way and you need to have fun playing the game so you still thinking it's pretty fiddly or for the for the kibitos dice rolling thing or just mostly the dice like flying all over the place
0: yeah i know it was interesting like so tonight the teach was really easy you guys didn't seem to have any trouble tracking your dice so teaching you guys tonight was super smooth you guys got right into it you seem to be enjoying it totally different experience than how my wife and my daughter felt My my daughter's nine years old so it's not surprising that she struggled a little bit with it you know danielle just didn't get the fun experience from it so I I don't think it's too fiddly at all. And I like I said, I think after a play or two anyone would kind of get the hang of it. I was just curious how you guys felt, and it seems like it wasn't wasn't even an issue for you. So interesting perspective. I'll just say the only other thing I want to say that they they really seem to take from Quacks was that that when you can buy dice that there's seven I, I, you know six or seven different or eight different types of dice you can buy and it's so fun that the dice all have different effects and different costs and it's just like quacks Quedlinburg. and then when, in between games you can switch out for a different set of dice effects i i just love that there's mm-hmm. something about that that just is it's it's so fun it makes the decisions so fun and interesting every right. time
1: so the same dice have different powers from game to game to game depending on what you use as their little power card or whatever so that's that's neat. And is there seven for each color dice? Is that right? Six or seven, or is it? Yeah, there's. The, I know there's seven uh,
0: different ones in there. I don't remember how di- how many dice. are. I think there might be like eight dice, but there's definitely seven different. Seven cards for each color. You can pick from yeah, each of them. That's pretty cool. That's really. Yeah, cool. yeah. Looking at the rule book right now, there's eight different ones there. Eight different color dice. All right, cool. Yeah. So why
1: don't we jump into production, uh, Adam? What do you think of Cubitos production? Again, I've only. Played online. I've seen pictures of the actual production, so I've heard there's like some flimsy boxes that kind of come with it. Get some complaints, but other than that, you know, it's just it's just dice and a board and pretty simple stuff. But it looks like the the artwork I think is cute, like really really cute. I think Chris would be upset that the theme is just doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but it doesn't need to make sense. It's just fun. These like you know the funny names, as smelly cat or whatever they are, and then like tough cheese or whatever this guy's name is, yodeling cheese it's just fun it's just nonsensical funny dice racing around a a track so i think it's just great
0: yeah i I love the production in this uh somebody came up with the clever idea that you're rolling all these dice so then this whole world has to be full of cubes so your little racers are kind of cube shaped animals there's a little elephant and a tiger and a sheep and a monkey but they all have kind of cube shapes the the maps are all kind of all the spaces on the maps of course are squares and so it makes the whole world look kind of cubish and then when you're actually buying dice, what it is, that's supposed to be your support team. So your support team is kind of out there cheering you on and helping you out. And so you're buying these dice. But each of the dice has a card that represents them, each of the colors of dice. And you were talking about the smelly cat and the you know, the big cheese. Like uh-huh. They all have totally bizarre, cute like pictures on them, really nice, bright colored artwork. And like the cheese is this cubic cheese, but he's wearing lederhosen for some reason and then like there's this dinosaur that's like a brontosaurus but he's just a cube with just the brontosaurus neck sticking out the cat one is just like a cat stuffed in a little plastic bin you know how cats like to get in little boxes into like little cube shapes anyway it's just the art is adorable the whole concept of it is just quirky and fun so from an artwork and just a presentation perspective this game looks beautiful on the table it's just so many colors it's bright i love this type of production so i think i think you know, from just kind of that visible perspective of it's it's great.
1: Agree, is just very appealing to look at. Yeah, totally is. Yeah. One thing I want to mention before you uh, before you go on Tim, is the uh, the racetrack. It's not a strict grid in that from top to bottom there's a slight offset, so you can move diagonal even though it's like from square to square. So there's a you know imagine like a brick wall, how it's not just um, you know the bricks are staggered. I guess so you can move diagonally diagonally forward and down. Uh, as opposed to just like down and then forward. So I like how that's the racetrack is kind of um, laid out like that. It's nice for movement.
0: Yeah, it's clever because it means that going sideways isn't necessarily just a sideways movement. You can still be kind of moving forward at an angle no matter which direction you're coming from. Yeah. Exactly. So it doesn't feel like you're giving up a lot to kind of move exactly. to the side and try to catch a bonus or whatever. Um, you mentioned the, that you'd heard some reviews about the flimsy boxes. Mm-hmm. So basically what those are is that they came with a whole bunch of little... Um, kind of foldable boxes that are supposed to be dice holders and then when you take the dice out to play you flip them over and there's a little bit of a lip on it so that the dice are sitting up in these little stadiums that sit all the way around the board and then the dice boxes that the dice are sitting in it it shows the six sides of the dice printed on it so it's really easy to see whenever you look at a at a dice across the table and these you know, there's eight different dice that kind of just surround the board and you can look across the table and say, oh, that brown dice, I can see it's got two faces on it. It's got a a buy face and then the dog face. So it's really easy to see where everything is and it just adds to the table presence. Completely unnecessary. it doesn't even save the setup time that much because you have to open up the box, take the dice out, and then put them on the top of the box, close the bottom of the box. But it's a fun presentation, adds to the theme a little bit. They're not a problem with them being flimsy as far as I can tell. Okay. You know, people have complained about being able to put the boxes together. They're pretty easy to assemble. They seem sturdy enough, and now the box is all nice and clean. I don't have baggies. There's no baggies in the box because like every single thing goes in one of these little storage boxes that they put nice. in there, and they did it just to be thematic because it's you know, cubitos, and so that's all cube shaped boxes. But it's a a nice little function. It's like I said, it doesn't help with setup super, you know, like as much as if you had things in bins that you just put on the table, but um, still better than having little plastic baggies that you gotta separate out and dump out on the table and stuff, so yeah, I think it's fine. I I had no problem with the production here at all. Okay. The dice are all small, but they're all unique engraved dice with different symbols on every single one of them, bright colors. Uh, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty cool production. All right, well let's talk about moments in play because of course we want to give uh, people a, a feel for what is it what is it, what do these games feel like right after we played it. So this was again my second play, your first play, Adam. Mm-hmm. On this play, I didn't feel a whole lot different than I did, and I'll say that this is the one other criticism I have about the game, uh, which is weird because it's it feels totally different to me than Quacks. It's not very exciting to me. My, my couple plays of it so far and tonight was the same. It seems like it should be a tight race, something that's exciting, something that you're you know you're just hoping for that last. I guess I did have one the last round in this game. Steve and I both were close to the end and I rolled and I was like oh I don't know I can get to the finish line but I'm, I'm maybe I should just stop here because if I bust I'm not even going to get there and Steve rolled enough to get to the finish line. I was like well I gotta roll I gotta push one more time. And I rolled and I got like six more feet on it and just clearly gave me the victory. So it was kind of a lucky, push my luck moment. But that was the only moment of tension I actually felt in the game. I think one of the problems that the game suffers from is that you're racing around this track, but you can't actually get in the way of each other. Because if somebody goes in a space, you can just stop on the same space. You can get the bonus they're in. Through the whole game, it really doesn't matter what my opponents are doing at all uh, in this game versus at least with quacks there are some areas where you're watching for like what ships did they pull out maybe i'll get a benefit from it so i don't know i, I want to play it more i want to try the other boards i want to try the other dice sets i've only played with the starter set there may be some really fun, maybe more interaction. I guess there is the interaction from that little like sword guy, Mr. Soldier, in the first set. But basically, where you compare to see who's got the most red dice and get a benefit. But yeah, I just I haven't found moments of great excitement so far. Although I do like buying the dice, and it's fun when you get a good move. It hasn't it hasn't just felt like super exciting for me. But what about you? Any any moments of that that stood out to you tonight?
1: I kind of want to disagree a little bit. I think that. Watching the other player, and you gotta keep an eye on them to see how fast they're going around the track. So it is kind of like a race to me, and I, I kind of like that idea of, you know, that's the in-game trigger when someone crosses the finish line, um, as opposed to all right, your six rounds are up. Here's how many points you got. So game over. Um, I don't know. I think that is like a little interesting, different kind of player interaction that I maybe prefer more than the six rounds count your points. As far as moments, I had one, you know, that was strictly. I think I was rolling 12 dice or something, and I rolled and I got five or six successes. So I had like six dice left in my pool, and I was like, "Well, all right, I'm just gonna go for it." And I rolled them all, and boom, all those other six dice came up all successes. So I had a handful—I don't know if it was 12 dice or however, however many dice—all every dice that I rolled that round came up with the successes. So I was like, "Yes, this is awesome!" So you know that was a great feeling. I, you know i hit the hit the jackpot and uh, i got to do all this stuff and move a bunch of stuff and buy some stuff and still got me last place but it was fun it was super fun so that was kind of my kind of favorite moment of the game there and then like you said Tim when you were finishing up and Steve was hot on your tail you're like well, i got to i got to roll again like this is it this is the end of the game because if i don't roll again steve's going to cross the finish line ahead of me and you did roll and you you know you you knocked it out of the park with your little six stinky cat feet or whatever they were getting you across the finish line way in front of steve so that was kind of fun to see too
0: yeah right on cool yeah now that you're mentioning that yeah there were some there were some moments like even that moment where i had to roll just to make sure i won i finally i hit the i got that dinosaur die which is the one that only has one face on it but if you get it it's got four feet on it and so that happened to be one of the ones that i rolled that time and got one out of six chance of actually hitting that face and i got it and probably was you know made made sure that steve couldn't roll more and get past me yeah there's there's moments here i'm excited to try it more like I, on a first couple plays to me it wasn't exciting. you and steve were both raving about it you know after during the game and after you're like man this game is super fun i bet this is a great time to play in person steve steve was like yeah i've got to go buy this game now can i pick this up now yeah i just didn't have quite as exciting a play as my first couple but i want to i want to play it some more i want to get into some of the other dice and and see how it goes
1: i think this would be so fun you just put like you know, the three of us are playing, we all put a dollar in for each round or something. And then so, you know, the winner takes the three bucks oh, and then yeah, you play you the go. next series and everybody puts in a buck. Oh, man, if you did that and you're like, you know, just going at each other, trying to win this little a little race around this track with these dumb dice, it would make it so fun and so much more up the level of intensity and hilarity and trash talking I think that'd be great
0: there you go we need to add more um, financial invest. you know like financial stakes for <laughs> for any games we, we gotta
1: find a way to gang up on Chris and uh, get <laughs> our <right>. picks back <laughs> or some way to make him <laughs> feel bad about it crushing us at star realms all right
0: sounds good well let's jump into our kind of our final thoughts here and would you request to play the game again and i'll just start because i was just talking about it um yeah i want to you know i want to play it some more and experience it's obviously a game that has some fun to to be discovered and because there's so much to discover because there's so many different dice sets to play with and different maps i just feel like there's potentially completely different game experiences that are going to come out of different sets so I definitely want to dig in, try it out some more. Now, if I keep feeling the way I have on my first couple plays, this is probably not a game that's going to stick around for me. But I want to try it some more. I want to I want to see if there's more fresh experiences to come out of the you know out of the box. So yeah, I'll be requesting to play it some more. We'll see how much longer that lasts, though. What about you?
1: I definitely want to play this again. So if this game gets you know sours for you, hold on to it, and I'll I'll happily buy it off the i was considering buying it before we played it tonight and now i'm leaning towards buying it a little more just all the dice i want to get those in my hand and shake them around and have them explode on the table and collect them all up and see which ones were successes and not do i want to re-roll again it just is fun and just the theme is quirky i feel like i can get my daughter into this without too much effort if nothing else just have her like playing with all these different dice and rolling them around and moving the little guy around the track we'll figure out some rules that would work for both of us um, so yeah, I definitely want to play this game again very much.
0: Yeah. All right, right on. Sounds good. Well, let's jump into kind of a unique com- segment tonight because these games were so close. I thought it makes sense. Let's really just kind of do a face-off. Quaxaquedlinburg versus Cubitos. Do it. Which one would win in a fight? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll keep this pretty nice and short. But Adam, out of the two, you played them both for the first time tonight. Which was your which was your favorite of the two? Which one? we had to fire one of them, which one would we fire? Which one would we keep?
1: Around? I think I'm going to fire Quacks and I'm going to hire Cubitos, maybe give him a promotion and then some nice benefits to keep him around. <laughs> the game was pretty fun, pretty fun for me. The color is just one thing, the vibrancy, maybe just that alone would do it for me. And then by the time we got to Quacks, I was just like, what? I don't know. These rules are just kind of weird. I just want to roll some more cubes and move my guy around the track. So that's where I'm at right now. Both games, having said that, both games I think are great. But yeah, Cubitos is a little tougher. I think he's got the edge in the fight in the in the octagon or whatever.
0: What about <laughs> you, Tim?
1: Which which one are you uh, keeping around? Which one is gonna get thrown out?
0: Yeah, this is so hard because if I had if you'd asked me this before playing Cubitos, I would have said this is this is this game's gonna win. It's gonna be the one. It, it, the, I love the production of it. I love the vibrancy, the colors. Um, I love the the concept. I love the concept of the race. Like from a thematic perspective, this is so much more interesting than just tracking points around a board. You know, like pulling ingredients out of a bag, putting them on a pot, and then I got some points. Like that's just not as fun as, yeah, I just moved around the board. I'm moving quickly. But for some reason, the feeling of the gameplay experience to me has not met my expectations. It hasn't hasn't brought the joy that Quacks has brought to me so far in every single Mm -hmm. game of Quacks. I've enjoyed it. I know that it's ton of luck. I know that there's not much, you know, there's not much at stakes. There's not much I can really do to dictate my game, but I still have fun every single round, every single pull out of the bag. And I definitely had more fun, have had more fun playing Quacks than I've had playing Cubito. So for me, Quacks, you know, Quacks gets a promotion and cubitos um you know it's maybe it just wasn't the right job for them they need to move on <laughs> and find something else that being said like i said i, I think they're both um I, I think clearly john d Clare, the designer of quacks equivalent of um cubitos must have played Quacks at when he was designing this game like it's got so many elements that feel just like quacks and he took some of the best parts of it i don't know why it hasn't really hit with me yet i definitely will play it some more and maybe my mind will shift on that both fun games but quacks for me
1: yeah, I, I wonder if it's a function of, you know, so you have your group there in Phoenix, and it seems like they all love Quacks of and it's a big hit for them. So I'm sure that whole atmosphere, and then when it didn't necessarily land with your wife and daughter, yeah, that could be like kind of a downer and be like, well, okay. And then, um, I don't know, I feel like if you're playing this game with Steve and I in person, and we were getting all rowdy and stuff, maybe it would have had a, a different effect on you, but who knows totally
0: yeah that, that absolutely can happen
1: we definitely have a slot for cubitos over here at atom <laughs> industries all right
0: sounds good well i think we took that analogy far enough <laughs> if you like what you uh, heard about cubitos tonight or quacks at Quedlinburg, maybe check them out uh, obviously everybody here had had a good time playing them tonight All right, well, I think that'll wrap up the podcast tonight. If you'd like to talk to us about the games we were talking about or give us your thoughts on them, feel free to reach out on social media. Uh, Otherwise, take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me.